Uh, as a church body, God calls us to corporate prayer. He calls us to individual prayer, but together we pray because we want to go before the Lord and bring these things as a church family, as friends before the Lord. And as we do this, I just want to bring something shortly to you today and do have your Bibles ready because we're going to spend some time just going to various scriptures and talk about prayer. And I, I, as I went into this, considering um, the approach that I wanted to take, prayer is something we all understand from the aspect of we know what it is, but it seems to be one of the hardest things for us to do. If you're like me, this is one of those things that becomes difficult depending on the conditions, maybe my attitude, uh, the time of day, the business of life, whatever those things are. But for me, it's much easier to spend time in scripture. We've been challenged to do that, to spend time in scripture, to learn. Uh, it was just mentioned that we should memorize scripture. And for those who are doing that, today is the first day of the year to start learning. And so does anyone know who that, what that first scripture of the year is that we have? Joshua 1.9. And so that may be a place where you can start learning scripture. Scripture is great it, and, and, and it teaches us, but prayer is one of those things that's very, very unique, although very difficult to do. It doesn't seem like it should be. Some of us pray fervently and regularly. Um, many of you take notes and you pray for each other on a continuous basis. Thank you for doing that. Um, write down in a prayer journal those needs and, and call people, text them, do all of those things, and you're very disciplined with that. And uh, continue to do that and grow, continue praying. Others, it's occasional. And we'll do that once or twice in the week uh, on an irregular basis, maybe as the need arises and someone calls you and says they have a need for prayer. But it's not something that you uh, continually do through your life and it's difficult for you. But you'll try. Maybe when you need something, maybe a friend of yours, when there's a health condition comes up and, and you reach out to the Lord. Others don't even pray at all, maybe rarely. It's hardly even a thought. And so, uh, you know, the prayer is something people all over the world do. Christians and non-Christians alike pray. You know, there's Muslims, Buddhists, uh, Mormons, Spiritists, Mother Earth worshipers, they'll pray. <coughs> Humanists, they do pray. So what makes us similar? There is a similarity for everyone who does pray. Well, God's placed us in us a need to understand that there's something greater and bigger and more powerful than ourselves because we understand that we're so limited. We, we are so small and we find that in our lives that we cannot do everything. And so people all over and God's placed that in us to understand that we are limited. Those who do not understand and don't think that there's someone who's bigger than them, they'll quickly find out the limitations of man. There will be times in their lives when they cannot do something. And God has intentionally caused things in this life to happen so that they'll understand that. So what makes us different from everyone else? Well, we pray to the one true living God. 
There is no one else, there is no other God than the one we serve. Does that sink in? So when we pray, we have a true, living, and powerful God that we serve and we get to pray to. When God was bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt, and I just am finishing Exodus right now, going through those difficult sections at the end, which you get to, and you're reading about the size of the tabernacle and how many curtains and the rods and the gold overlay of the, of the altar, and it gets a little difficult there, but keep moving. Um, but as he's gone through this, as they've brought them out of Egypt, rescuing the people from captivity, he told Moses, as they were coming out, and just before they were coming out, that he was going to harden the heart of Pharaoh through all of those plagues that would happen. Why? Because he needed Pharaoh to know that he was the Lord, the one true living God. He also needed to have his own people, Israel, understand that he is the one true living God. Understand that the people of Israel has spent over 400 years in this foreign place. And the gods of this land were infecting them. And he needed to come back and say, look, this is who I am. So repeatedly, he needed to show them that. He wanted them to understand this is who he is. He also wanted to show them that he cared for them. Remember, many of those uh, plagues were there and he protected the people of Israel while the plagues were infesting the people of Egypt. His own people were protected and he wanted to see show them that he cared for them. He is the good father, a good shepherd, and he loves his sheep. He loves his people. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 10, and we're just going to read a few verses there in John chapter 10. As a good shepherd, he is talking to his disciples and those around him here. I'll give you a moment to get to John chapter 10, verse 11. Turn in your Bibles, turn on your app, anywhere you need to go on this. Verse 11 says this, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, just skip down a little bit. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father then verse 27, skip down a little further. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my, father, out of my hand. This is the good shepherd that we serve, and we pray knowing that Jesus is the good shepherd and the one who cares for us. And remember, he says that I and the Father are one. And so the father cares for you as a good shepherd. He is a good father. I want to share with you several scriptures, so get your fingers ready to keep flipping or pushing or whatever you have to do as we go, okay? This is very important to us. I'm just going to share today a number of different scriptures. So why are we supposed to pray? So we know that God cares for us. Why are we supposed to pray? Well, I'm going to give you just a few reasons, and you could come up with many of them on your own. Uh, I've read many books to, to, to put this together, and the first one I think of is that it is simply to know him. 
As it says here in, in, in those verses in John 10, 14, I know my own and they know me. And so to get to know anyone, you have to spend time with them. And what better way to do that than reading scripture and praying? Those are ways you can get to know the good father. To know him. Turn with me uh, back to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. If you get to Peter, you'll find you'll close and just keep going one more book. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Very familiar verse. <laughs> Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that would be she, we should be called children of God. He has given us such great love and we get to know him because we're his children. And we know him through Christ. Behold, what manner of love that is. And getting to know the God of the universe. And we sung these songs about his goodness, his mercy, and the one who knows all. We've talked about his sovereignty, the one who's, who's moved circumstances in our life in such a way last year to, to help us through difficulties, and we get to know him. So when we pray, we are learning to know him, and we're talking with him. Just as you would talk to your own children, your wife, your, your friends, it's spending time with him, getting to know him. The second thing is to abide in him. And I, I won't have you turn there on this verse. Um, John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, Jesus, without me, you can do nothing. And to abide in Christ, and he spends quite a bit of time around these verses here, means that we are in him, we're in Christ. Our lives are wrapped up in him. And to know him and to abide in him, we need to pray and spend time with our Father. And so to know him and to abide in him. A third thing, why we are to pray. We are needy people. Boy, are we needy. We have needs and wants and needs and wants. And this year, guess what? You're going to have more needs. And God knows that. Before you ask, he already knows what you need. Psalm 145, and do turn back there with me. Psalm 145. <coughs> Verse 18. 18 and 19, I'll read from this. It says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him and he hears their cry and he saves them. Just as the nation of Israel had a need and their cry came up before the Lord and he says, I hear you, I hear their cries and I know them and I'm coming, I'm coming to redeem them. And so here in Psalm 145, he says he's near to you when you call on him, he's not far. He's right there. He knows you have needs. He understands and he hears your cry. We pray to a father that who, who can do those things and he can help. 
and he hears because we're needy. A, th- a fourth thing, why do we pray? Align us with his will. We need to be aligned with what God's will is. And in that, he is going to mold us into his image. When we align ourselves with him and we, we focus on what he wants of us and we are molded into his image. Flip with me again. Romans 8, 28 and 29. It's a good exercise for you to spend some time in scripture Flipping around in scripture here. Romans 8, verse 28 and 29. Says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In that we are called according to his purpose. He has a purpose for us. His will for you. And so in part of that, and we will forget this latter part of that, to be conformed to the image of his son. It's very important. And I'll mention this a little bit later But remember, there is a purpose in why we pray. It's not just to get what we have, a thing we need in our lives. It's to be conformed to his image. And that's very important to keep in mind as you pray and as you see results or not results of your prayers because God is in the business of conforming you to his son, Jesus Christ. Everything that happens in your life and my life has purpose. He's called us to be conformed and molded into his image. First John 5 says this in verses 14 to 15. Now this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, and we have the petitions we have asked of him. But it is because he is molding us into his image according to his will. So we find in our time of prayer that there's more than just asking for certain things. He is working on us through prayer. So I'm gonna ask this question. Do you ever have a problem or a doubt that prayer actually works? If you do, you're probably like all of the rest of us. You're like me. At times, most of us struggle honestly with prayer because we don't truly believe or we have a difficulty believing that prayer actually works. Maybe it doesn't have any impact. Maybe is it really doing anything in my life? If you're honest with yourself, you understand what I'm saying. You have those doubts at times. That lack of faith doesn't happen overnight. It's something that creeps in and sometimes Satan is the one who is pushing that a little bit. It, it may happen over a years of, of difficulties of things. You just don't see things happening. And so slowly and slowly it just continues to to eat at you until at some point you just stop. I tried it, it didn't work, and so I quit. Maybe you prayed for years for a certain person to be saved, someone to change, relationships that didn't change, and you don't see those things happening and you wonder why, and you begin to think, well maybe this prayer doesn't even work. So we give up, or we might do this, We try to fix it ourselves. 
We're Americans. We can do anything. We can fix it. The DIY channel, right? That's what we live our lives. So we can go and figure out how to do this. We'll go buy books. We'll listen to conferences. We'll do all kinds of things. Maybe we'll get uh, uh, an attitude that we're going to pray more. We're going to set a certain time every day. We're going to do it for 20 minutes. And maybe we'll get a big prayer journal and we'll write those things in there. We'll get a prayer partner. And that's all because we just think we can fix it. Now, I'm, saying, I'm not saying that those are bad things to do. And we do need to set a certain time and we get a prayer journal if that helps you. Get a prayer partner to, to help you be accountable to. But be careful that you're not looking to fix it yourself. That's a bad attitude to have. Because that's not prayer. That's fixing it yourself. And the whole idea was that Israel was always trying to fix it themselves and they failed and failed and failed and failed. And we do the same thing. Three things to consider, and I'm going to bring this out of J.D. Greer's book, Just Ask. I went through this book and uh, I thought it had some good points in it. And J.D. Greer brings a few things up I'm going to bring to you. Some reasons you might not see prayer working in the way you want it to happen. It, this is just three. There's, there's all kinds of ones you could think of. But here's, here's one. God may be changing you. He may be working to change you. So when you don't think that prayer is working, God may be working on you. Or the person you're praying for. So you've been praying for someone else and he's doing something different than what you expect. God may be doing his own plan. Greer says this, um, and God's highest purpose in our lives is not giving us stuff, but making us into his image. Just like in Romans 8, 28, where it says we're to be conformed to Jesus. To have that mind of Christ, that's what God wants. We may also have sin in our lives that we need to confess and repent first. And so he's more intent on that than on answering the particular prayers. He is intent on doing something in your life. The second thing is, maybe God has a greater plan. We talked about this and several people mentioned this. Mitzi mentioned this. There's a different plan. And each of us has our own little plans and we try to work it out ourselves and we pray for specific things. We may even think our prayers are good uh, in line with God's will. And maybe they're righteous. Maybe we're intent on seeing a relationship restored. And that's a good thing. Maybe meeting a financial or health need. Maybe a protection for a missionary or someone. But maybe God has a different plan. And we're just not in line with that. We need to be careful to listen to what his plan is. My kids, when they were growing up, like your kids, didn't always quite understand why we said no or wait. And so you would imagine that as the sovereign God who knows a lot more than us parents, he is going to do things quite a bit different than what we think of sometimes. And his plans are much greater than our plans. So we have to trust him. A third thing is uh, God does not often rewrite the rules. I thought this was an interesting thought. And that means miracles. Uh, God acts on things in ways that we don't understand. And sometimes we're asking for specific miracles to happen. This life contains sickness. It contains broken relationships, murders, thefts, sexual immorality, all of these things in this world because it's broken. 
And because sin is there, that's what this world is. And God works through those things. Sometimes we're praying for things and it's trying to get out of what's in this broken world. This is very important for you and I want you to, I want to hear this clearly because this, this stuck with me very, very much. He often uses the very difficulty that we are praying to get out of to change our hearts. You catch that? Sometimes God is using the very problematic issue in our life of a broken relationship, a death, a sickness. He is using that to change someone's heart. It's difficult to see someone going through a cancer, isn't it? That's a, that's a tough thing. And many of you, and, and I do too, have family members who are going through that. And we will we'll pray for them, for that cancer to be gone. And that's a good thing. But understand that God may be using that cancer in some way to touch someone's life to show them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if he does not take that cancer away, just be aware that God has that in purpose. He understands. And even if they pass away because of that, and many of you have seen that as well, God has his own plan. So those difficulties are there because we are in a broken world. He doesn't always just heal someone. Sometimes he does. Thank God he does. He is still a God of miracles. And pray, pray. Pray for those miracles. That's okay. But just understand he has his own plan. So how should we pray? Here's a few things for you. Maybe you need a, some kind of a, a model, a pattern, because you don't know how to pray. I, I asked this question in our small group. Um, how many of you have actually grown up or been in a place where you've been taught how to pray? We teach all kinds of things. We teach Bible, we teach um, different things of theology, but maybe you've never been taught how to pray. It sounds strange, doesn't it? But it, there is a model prayer and, and Jesus gave it to us and you could use that if you wish in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. And, and Jesus, we often call it the Lord's Prayer. Now, I, I, I don't call it that. It, it's used that way because it's, that's what it's become. But it's a model prayer. And so there's some good things in there you can learn from. Um, by the way, in that prayer, it's, it does ask it says, forgive us our debts. So obviously Jesus, not being sinful, is not one to ask for forgiveness, right? So it's not his prayer, but that's just an aside. Um, but it's a good model. It's a great model, and you can use that as a model. Also, uh, you've seen probably this, the word acts, spelled out, A-C-T-S, where you start your prayer with some adoration, worship. We did that here today. We just gave God adoration and worship for who he is and what he's done for us. And we can confess the C, A and C. We confess our own sins. Sometimes we forget to do that before we come to him. Think of it this way. If you come before someone, before the king, and you just barge in the door and say, hey, would you give me this? And he knows your sins and your problems, and you haven't even given him any honor or confessed anything, just think of that. This is our almighty God. And sometimes we need to go in and confess. And thanksgiving, the T. And give him thanks for things. And then supplication, ask. He says ask. Some of you don't receive because you don't ask. So you might use that. 
But the, a good pattern is just using scripture. Um, go to scripture, find scripture that you can go to. Go to the book of Psalms and pray it in accordance to his will. So you might need to, a, a pattern like that. A second thing is uh, go in humility. In his book on corporate prayer, John, I'll butcher this name, on with Chekwa, um, he says this, we want to establish in our hearts that it's an honor to speak with God. It's an honor. We come in humility and in remembrance that he is a promise-keeping, loving God. And we go in humility before him. We honor him because he is the almighty God creator. A third thing, we come in boldness. We are his children, by the way. And so when you go and as a child will come into you into their parents' room and just ask for things, we can do that because we are the children of God. We're not just children, um, but we're able to kneel right in the throne room of God himself. We don't have to go through anyone. God sits waiting for us. Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. A fourth way we can, we can learn how to pray is in desperation. It was mentioned earlier about this that sometimes there are times when you just become to that point where you're, you're broken. It's complete, you're, you're lost. There's nothing else left. And we finally understand that we have nowhere else to go. There is nothing else. Isn't it amazing? We'll try and try and try. We'll, again, I talked about it, the fix-it attitude. We'll do it ourselves. We'll come up with any solution we can, and we forget that we need to go to God himself who can do anything. And we finally get to that point of desperation when we're lost. And God will allow things to happen in our lives for that very purpose, to understand that he is the one that we can come to and that we will finally put our faith and trust in him. Desperation. There are times when it's just, it fails you. And you mentioned, Tori, that the Holy Spirit is the one who comes in just to fill the, the, the void in our minds and our thoughts. I don't even know what to say anymore. This broken relationship with, with my son or, or my daughter or, or this problem at my work, I don't know what to do anymore. Maybe that's where God has brought you to for that very purpose of breaking you down. In that desperation, just be honest that this is where I'm at, God. Come to him in desperation. And some of you are right there right now. And we come to him with desperation and that's what God wants to hear. Couple more, persistence. He does ask us to come to him persistently. Right after Jesus gives this model prayer, he gives an example of a man who goes boldly to his neighbor to ask for bread at the middle of the night to share with a friend. There's, there's a purpose for that being right there afterwards. Come to share, to, to get that, and he knocks on the door, and he knocks on the door until that guy gets up and gives him some bread. Jesus says, come to me, ask, knock, and the door will be open for you. Be persistent, ask God. So when you go to God, don't think that you're done with one time. Come persistently. Colossians 4.2 says this, come, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word. 
to speak the mystery of Christ. And finally, just come honestly. I mean, if you don't know what to say, just say, God, I don't know what to say. I'm a miserable mess, and I don't know what to do. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing for one of your own kids to come to you and just be honest and say, look, I messed up. I'm a mess, and I need some help here. And our Father in heaven wants to hear that honesty from you as well. And so if you don't know what else to say and where to start, just tell them that. I don't know what to say. I've missed you. I have not been with you. I've not prayed to you. Why don't you just tell God that? He already knows it anyway. Let's just be honest with him. And so when we go here in just a few minutes to prayer um, for each other, just be honest. Wherever you are in life, God knows it anyway, and he knows what's on your heart. And so we're going to start there this year with just an honest conversation with God that you and I need him. We're very needy, and we know that we need to spend a time in prayer, but let's not try to fix it ourselves. Let's just do what God wants us to do. One of those things I want to ask you in, in closing this part of it here is one of the reasons you may not be hearing or seeing results in your life from your prayers is that maybe you're not a believer. Got to ask that question. For those who are believers, he is your shepherd. You're in his fold. If you get lost, he will go out and search for you and find you. He'll go out after you, and he loves you and cares for you. Those who are not his sheep, those who have not placed their faith and trust in him, he's waiting for you. And those prayers that you're praying over and over again, maybe he wants you to come to him and confess your sins and put your faith in him first before he'll act on all those things. Now, God is a God of grace. He'll do what he does because he loves you anyway. But his first assistance is that you come to him and trust him as Lord and Savior. And so if you have not placed your faith in him and you're not one of his sheep, the good shepherd is waiting for you. And the last thing is this. <laughs> am, I, am I willing to be conformed to, to Christ? Am I willing? I mentioned to you that one of the purposes for prayer is that God wants to conform you to his image. Are you willing? If, if you are, then your prayers are going to become more urgent, more persistent. They're going to be more honest, true, and deeper. Those conversations that you can have with God are going to become deeper because you're going to become honest with him. Our, our shallow dinner time prayers that just kind of pop up a little bit right before dinner. God, thank you for this food. I'm done. Yes, I prayed. Isn't that wonderful? I will hope that your prayers will start to become a little deeper than that. They'll be fresh. This is a great time to start making that renewed commitment to God. Get that fresh start to have a spirit-filled, honest, pleading, confessional, thanksgiving time with God as we pray. And it's joyful. He is here. He's not far. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a time of prayer. Uh, just God, that you've placed in our hearts a need for you to know that there is one who is greater and far more powerful than us, that we don't need to fix it. God, help us to be honest 
and sincere in our prayers. And Father, even right now as I um, think about this, I, I fail you. I know I do and you know I do. And there are times when I just don't know what to say and maybe I just need to be silent. I do give you thanksgiving, God, and, and praise you for who you are as my Father, the one who knows my needs before I even ask, who formed me out of dust and gave me life. You are the sovereign great one. I do confess, Lord, that I am a sinner, that I have been saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ only. And thank you so much for that freedom I have in Christ. Thank you for each person here. I do pray for each one of us. That God, you would help us to spend more time with you in honest and sincere prayer before you today. Thank you so much that you are a loving, caring, gracious, and merciful God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Mm-hmm.